calling all queens It's time we live out our dreams It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30 Getting financially free and we healing and hurting It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30 Loving me and all my queens cause we know we are worthy It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30 Getting financially free and we healing the hurting It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30 Loving me and my queens because we know we are worthy Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the 30 Girl Podcast. It's your girl, Keisha Joe, And tonight with me, I have a real-life beauty queen, Miss Sindal Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited um, to be on this podcast. Um, I'm just, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get into talk with you. I love our connection already. I love your personality. You're so beautiful. Um, so thank you for having me. And I, you're calling me beautiful when you're, like I said, the real life beauty queen. So go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Sandell Taylor, and I am born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I have been a model and a teacher and a mom. I have two beautiful children, two and a half, if you count my husband. <laughs> um, and a fur baby. His name is Dash. He's a little kitten. He's like an orange tabby. He kind of looks like Puss in Boots. Mm -hmm. Um, when he gets a little older, not so feisty, I'm totally getting him a Halloween costume. Um, (laughs) but a little bit about me is I, you know, came from a, uh, separated family growing up. My mom and dad were divorced. My dad's side is German and my mom's side is Belgium and Hungarian. So I have German descent and Hungarian descent. And this past year, Um, I represented my heritage as Mrs. Germany World with the Mrs. World Organization, which is the largest pageant for married women in today's society. Um, Before that, I was former Mrs. Pennsylvania America 2018, and I competed for three years in a row to actually get that title. And before that, I competed for a lot of different things like bikini competitions, modeling competitions, Um, And that was really the first time I ever really won anything. And it was just such a surreal experience. Um, So I'm so excited just to be here. Um, I'm just, I can't wait. I love it. Yes, thank you so much. And it did go through a little pause for me. I'm not sure if it paused for you, but um, yes, you are former beauty, beauty queen. How did all of that start for you? I know pageant world, I think everyone's familiar with the pageant world and we always look I know I've always looked at, you know, women in pageantry as being like perfectionist, you know, from body type to profession to background to um, just everything in their lives being like so perfect and on point. So how did you even get involved with modeling and how did that start? Well, thanks uh, for asking that. But first thing before I get into that is I'm definitely not perfect. Um, If you follow me on any social media, 
um, you know that I am, I call myself the beauty queen that kind of breaks the barriers. Mm -hmm. um, I got hips, I got curves. I, like I mentioned to you before, I have two kids, so I'm not a size two. Um, I'm not super tall, but I'm not short. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of right there. And I'm very different from, I'm not going to say every beauty queen out there because, you know, I'm sure there's some similarities, but I'm just myself and that's the only person I can be. So I like to tell people that it's definitely a myth that beauty queens have to be a size two. They have to be, you know, perfect, you know, hair, skin, nails, eyes, lips, face. That That's not true. Um, and if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. So it all actually started with my father um, being a photographer when I was growing up. Um, he was a hobbyist photographer as I was growing up. So I kind of started behind the scenes watching him take photographs and whatnot. And then America's Next Top Model came out. And of course, I really wanted to be on it. Um, but by the time I was able to get on it, um, or even audition for it, I was actually a little older mm -hmm. than the typical models that they were searching for. And I had a kid, I had a child very, very young. So I had a child at 19, um, out of wedlock, um, with my former partner. And, um, so it kept me outside of a lot of pageants for a long time, because for those of you guys who don't know, there's a few different systems out there. There's Miss, which is young women, typically under the age of 27, that have never been married and never had a child. Mm, okay. And then there is Miz, which is MS, which is typically, not always, but it's typically for older women ages 24 and up, sometimes 27 and up. And that's kind of like you can be um, single and have a child, um, or you can be divorced and have a child or widowed and have a child. And then there's Mrs., which is MRS, which is the division I'm currently doing. And that's, of course, being married, but you don't necessarily have to have a child. Okay. So when I started in pageantry, that Miss system, that MS system really wasn't there. It wasn't available um, at the time. It was kind of a newer thing. And the ones that were out there, I wasn't eligible for because I was only 19 whenever I started really getting into pageantry. Um, so I really didn't start competing until 2015 when I got married to my amazing spouse. Now I call him my knight in camel armor. Um, and my first ever beauty pageant, true beauty pageant, even though, like I said, I'd done modeling competitions was Mrs. Pennsylvania American Beauty. Um, it's a smaller system where I was prestigiously given a uh, interview award. And I placed first runner up, which was amazing for me. It was like I was like on cloud nine. And I actually had the best interview out of all of the contestants that were there the entire day in all divisions, which was really cool. Um, so fast forward, my next system was the Mrs. Pennsylvania America system. And like I mentioned, I competed for three years in a row. So the first year I competed, um, I didn't place at all at, at in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And then the second year I competed, I placed second runner up. And then the third year I finally um captured the crown, so to speak, but I was in such disbelief. Yeah. Uh, if you actually watch the crowning video, which is on YouTube, um, I was shaking my head because I really thought my first runner up had won. And I'm like, in the video, I'm like, oh my God, you just won. Like, congratulations. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's you. And I literally stopped breathing. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I had people yelling at me to breathe because I I, I just didn't believe it. I, I, I still don't believe it to this yeah. day. So that's amazing. What made you want to keep going? Um, this was something you started and, you know, you're in your late twenties after kids and stuff like that. So, you know, with, I know women, we get discouraged easily, maybe after the first time you didn't win and the second time you didn't win, what made you want to keep going? 
to try to bring, you know, bring that title home. Okay. So honestly, there's a couple of key things here. One, it was for me. Mm -hmm. This was something that I was doing for myself to show myself that I could do it. Okay. Um, and I could do something that I could put my mind to. The second was because I have a really big passion for heart health awareness and what I refer to as emerging. Mm -hmm. Um, so emerging from your past experiences into whom you are today and also community awareness. I was already out there in the community, kind of giving back, doing a lot of different things. And this actually enabled me to have a big, large, shiny microphone to connect with all people from around the world. It's actually what allowed me to connect with you. Yeah. Um, which was such an amazing aspect. I've been able to literally talk with people from across the world because I started doing pageantry. And I would have never been able to do that just by myself. Mm -hmm. um, I call it the power of the sash and the crown. It's like a big, shiny microphone. People have listened to me as just Sandell Taylor because I do speak internationally and I am a public speaker and a motivational speaker. But once I became Mrs. Allegheny County, even as a local title holder, they really wanted to know what I had to say, what I believed in and what I was passionate about. And they really wanted to get behind me and help me achieve that goal. So that was a really big reason for me to keep going back. And then on top of that, who doesn't want an excuse to get dressed up and pretty all the time? Yes. I literally used it as my excuse to do fun things for myself that I never would have thought I would have done. Yeah. Like, you know, go to charity balls and reach out to the Steelers and get free tickets and, yeah. you know, go on the Jumbotron and sing the national anthem. And, you know, I love rocking a gown and some heels, you know, so it just gave me that excuse to kind of take care of myself. And then lastly, meeting these women, I I'm telling you that, if you've ever actually met a pageant queen in real life and either on the computer or over the phone, even these are some phenomenal women mm -hmm. in my pageant. When I competed in Mrs. Pennsylvania, America, I was standing next to a tax lawyer attorney. Okay. On my left and an OR nurse on my right, who it, they were are both drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. Um, one was a um, bikini model. She's like, uh, she's gorgeous. And the other woman is a beautiful woman. Um, and she modeled as well as well in the past. That was in my in my state pageant, and in the national pageant that I just recently competed in, international pageant, the Mrs. World Organization. Organization. I'm standing next to lawyers, accountants, mm -hmm. bakers, moms. Um, like yourself, financial literacy advisors, yeah. zookeepers. I mean, you name it, it's probably on that stage to sit there and be surrounded by empowering women and women empowering other women, lifting each other up. It's, it's truly amazing. So that sisterhood connection, I yeah. literally have a sister in 50 states and from 48 countries now that I can count on not to mention my local, my local girls who are all from Pennsylvania mm -hmm. that I'm still in contact with most of them today. So yeah, that's amazing that's awesome. to have that. It is. And I think um, a lot of people, even though we, we look at peasantry as something where people are just, you know, perfect patties, because I know there are a lot of requirements and they expect, you know, for these women to be held to a very high standard. But like you said, 
um, which is something that I also preach here on the 30 girl is that it's much larger than looks. The things that we want to, you know, help others with is far more beyond just us and our looks and what we have to offer um, externally. So like you said, they're, they're nurses, they're lawyers and accountants. These women are very driven and they have purpose and their purpose is to help other people in million in a million different ways. I love that. You hit it right on the head. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. So are you finished with pageants? Are you done or are you going again? What's your take on it now? Um, I don't know if I'm done. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I love it. Okay. So first off, I, I do like competing. And when I say competing, I'm not competing with other women. And that's another um, aspect of pageantry. People think, oh, well, you're competing against the woman next to you. No, you're actually competing against yourself to be yeah. the best version of yourself yeah, on that it. day or days of the pageant. So I always tell people a different day, a different judge could have been a different out outcome. And that's really, truly um, 100% true. Because as I mentioned to you before, although yes, as we compete, we grow. And of course we learn. It took me three times to win the Mrs. Pennsylvania America award. And if I wouldn't have won on year three, you better bet I'd still be competing. Um, yes. So <laughs> it's not, I, of course, yes. I would love to, the crown, but regardless of the crown, I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. And I just love the platform that this pageant, these pageant systems, especially the one that I'm currently working with gives us, you know, just recently I was on actually this morning, you can check out my Instagram. I was on a world women leading change um, conference with women from across the world. I was talking with people from Kenya. I was talking with people from South Africa. I was talking from, from people, you know, from everywhere. And it was just truly phenomenal. And I wouldn't have had that without the Mrs. World organization. Um, yeah. So I would love to go back. Um, that's for sure. It's more about kind of getting there. That's, you know, the challenge. So of course there are some finances that occur with pageantry, um, and mm -hmm. so for me as a single mother, I, I don't want to say single mother. That's, I totally came out wrong. Yeah. So for me as, you know, a mother and, you know, trying to focus on the finances of not only myself, but of our family, um, that that's a difficult and that's a, sh a struggle, you know, sometimes yeah. to get all that. And I found that, you know, trying to get out there and get sponsors and get out there in the community, definitely one of those people that. If I can make a way, I will do it. So I'm I'm working on some stuff, girl. I'm working. Yeah, Just I keep can, your eyes I can open. Imagine. Yes, you are a go-getter. We've actually had the, the opportunity to chat offline. And let me just tell you all that um, with every different topic or subject we went to, she completely blew me away. I'm just like, girl, what can you not do? And the very humbling thing about that was her answer was, there's a lot that I can't do. And I think... Um, even just hearing you speak is I think pageantry even has humbled you in a lot of ways, not just life, life, your life stories, but um, you, you carry a very humble spirit, even though you've accomplished so many things and getting back to what you said about being a single mom. I mean, all single, we're all single moms, even if we're married or in relationships. And I think it's just because we take on so many things. I mean, you're, you're doing hair, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're doing pageantry. You have a ton of girlfriends and sisters, as you call it, or as we call it. Um, so 
it is very um time gets away from us so I totally understand where where you're coming from when you say that um, so yeah like it was like that was not the right <laughs> word choice so hubby when you listen to this I that's totally not what I meant but you get what I meant by like this time you're in the doghouse to balance <laughs> this life aspect of yourself yeah I guess you know for me the word single came out because I'm doing this for myself and yeah. empowering my children as well as future generations and yeah. of course my husband is supportive and he he helps me so much um like I mentioned we'll definitely talk about him um you know so it wasn't the right word but yeah, you know, I totally. He'll understand. still love me, hopefully. Anyway, so um, yeah. it, it proves that we're not perfect. It proves that we're not perfect, and you have to own that mistake. So I made a mistake. I'm not perfect. Yeah, I love it. She is very one of a kind. So I do want you to talk about. Um, we are, like you mentioned, I am a finance guru. Numbers have always been a thing for me. Um, I love numbers. I am in the process of, you know, becoming financially free. That is something that I am very, very, very passionate about. Um, and we did get a chance to speak about how finances have, you know, changed your outlook on things. I know when, um, I'll let you tell the story, but, you know, starting out, you did have it a little rough and you had to learn along the way. So I do want you to talk more about that just to see, um, for the listeners to see how maybe your story could help them in oh, any ab way. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so Keisha and I had this discussion last night because she kind of gets to know her guests before we come on. And I love that about her podcast. Yeah. I, just, I just have to say that because your listeners need to know. And I was telling her the story about how I grew up. So um, I didn't grow up poor, but I didn't grow up rich either. And in 2005, my father suffered a heart attack and stroke. And that's kind of what initially started me with the whole heart health awareness. Um, but what followed that was the fact that I, I lost my childhood home. So I was 17 at the time my father had a stroke. And I literally just graduated high school. And it was me and my brother and uh, one of his friends living in the home. And so we really didn't know how to manage that that all these finances as well on top of our own finances you know we were young we're, we're trying to work um a job at that time you know i was working in a supercut so i was mm -hmm. cutting hair and you know working and you know you get paid a decent wage um but it wasn't anything extravagant so trying to pay for my own car keeping gas in my own car at a young age maintaining a cell phone because i had to have right. one even though it was super rinky dink then <laughs> it was like the ultimate initial phone you can probably think yeah. of. Um, it was really struggling for me. So we lost our home um, through um, actually just not being able to afford it. And I moved over an hour away. Um, so at that age, you know, I was, I, at this point, I was 18. I didn't go to college yet because I was trying to help my dad through rehab, um, rehabilitation after having his heart attack and stroke, which unfortunately was not super successful. Mm -hmm. um, but I moved over an hour away. Now an hour doesn't seem like a lot. But when you're that young, and you're not going to college, and you're not in school, it's like a million yeah. miles. And where I was living, there's really not a lot to do. So I was having trouble meeting people. Um, so I was working at a restaurant, because at that time, I needed something where I can make quick money. So I could try to save up, get my own place, I moved in with my parent, my mom at the time. Um, and I met, you know, some friends along the way and I started working in the nightlife industry. 
And that's where I met my partner mm-hmm. and kind of things went a little even more south after that. So that's kind of where my journey started, um, learning kind of financial literacy. You know, I had to teach myself to rebuild my credit. I didn't have a credit card until I was 25. Mm-hmm. And I had the, you guys will know what I'm talking about. I had an Orchard Bank yes. prepaid credit card that was $500 because I didn't have a car under my name. Um, my parents, you know, didn't, weren't able to afford to sign me under a car. I didn't have a credit card, um, you know, either JC pennies, you know, any of those Sears cards. Like I didn't have any of that. I didn't have a good cell phone. Like I had a flip phone that was like a track phone mm-hmm. at the time. So there was really nothing to establish credit. So I had to start somewhere and I'm so grateful because, you know, now I have a way higher credit score, which, you know, we're not going to share on the right. air, but I'm proud of it. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. And, you know, I, of course, raised established credit and I've been able to um, purchase a vehicle in a very short amount of time. I'm only 32. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I own a home and, you know, we both own a vehicle and we have a a, a, a third vehicle now. So I, I, I like to explain that because his car is his baby. He is a GTO, mm-hmm. um, Pontiac GTO and it's older and that he's had that forever and that's his baby and he doesn't really drive it that much. So I call it the summer vehicle and that's been paid off. That was paid off like way before we lived together. And then I bought my first brand new car, not even two years ago, maybe two mm-hmm. years ago. I've had like used cars before then. And we actually bought a car together for him to use more frequently. So I like to explain why we have three cards because, you know, people are like, oh, my God, two, three cards. But yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not because we're over here. You know, th- it was established. Yes. So it, you know, it, it's definitely been challenging. And but I was able to do all of this in a very short amount of time. So learning that was was key. Yes. And I love that. Um, and it's and it's finances are something that you will have to, it's trial and error. I don't think that you can just know right away and do everything right by the book. You will have to, you know, fall on your face sometimes and mess some things up before you really know. And it affects you in a way where you want to get it right. So I think that's just something that we all have to do is learn as we go along. And of course, the older we get, the wiser we get. And two is two heads are always better than one. So um, if you can manage it on, all on your own as a single person, um, that's great. But definitely meeting your equal and somebody who's equally yoked as you, who's, you know, financially stable or ready to become financially stable with you definitely helps. So that's great that oh, you want. 100%. Yeah, so that's great. Because my husband is right there with me. You know, when we bought this car together, mm-hmm. you know, we had, had a discussion about, you know, why I wanted to be on the car with him because originally it was just going to be his car. And he was 100% willing to, you know, help me kind of get even better at the time. You know, so it, it, like you said, you can do it on your own. And yes, having somebody else to help you is definitely as well beneficial. Oh, absolutely. So y'all are amazing. Um, Getting back to, you know, meeting your knight in camo armor, I do want to, I do want you to talk a little bit. We're not going to talk too much about your past because the past is the past. However, there is, like I said, someone who maybe can hear your story and know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Everything isn't always perfect. Um, Even though Sandal is 
a beauty queen and you know former model and has all of her ducks in a row now it was not always that way um you were in a domestic violence relationship very early on in your you know your 20s um which we've all been in love before and we know law love kind of makes us stupid (laughs) in many ways um but please share your story a little bit on how you got out of that situation and how um how things have changed for you since yeah Um, so I always like to put a warning on this part of my story, because if you're a younger viewer, this may be a little bit graphic to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't swear or anything like that, but I just kind of like to give a little warning because how I tell my story, it goes through what actually happened. Um, so warning, I'm about (laughs) to tell a little bit of a graphic story, um, but it's so powerful. Um, and I've had to learn how to speak about this and, teach myself that my message has, has a meaning and yeah, passion. It does. So Keisha, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to just close your eyes for one minute and the listeners close your eyes for just one minute. If you're driving, keep those eyes open, <laughs> but I just want you to think about this. Okay. Okay. You're sitting in your living room, in your living room on your couch. And one of your very good friends is next to you and you're holding your infant child. Now my child was a son and he was under four months old. He wasn't even crawling at the time. Mm -hmm. And your partner runs down the stairs, picks you up by the neck and slams you on the ground and pours beer into your eyes. Then proceeds to pick you up from the ground underneath your armpits and slam you into a wall so hard that he creates a perforation into the wall. And then just leaves after yelling at you multiple times because they think that you got rid of a pill, a crushed up pill that he was snorting in the bathroom. Hmm. This is what happened to me. Now, at that moment, I learned that my partner had a substance abuse addiction to opioids and um, heroin, um, more specifically pills um, at the time. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that that is part of the reason that he became even more violent. I do think that in his past, he had some anger issues. Um, but I do think that that brought that aggression out. Oh yeah. And it was the first time I had my suspicions that he was possibly actually doing drugs, um, but I can never prove it. But this was the really first time that I saw it, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I'm using my air quotes and you can't see me right now because the reason why I say solid is because I never saw the drugs, but this is the first time he actually like said it out loud. Right. And when this all happened, I was holding my son who was four months old under about four months old, maybe, maybe five, but under six. And I don't even remember handing my child, my infant child to my friend. I thought. When he let me go, mm-hmm. I thought I was dead, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then I thought my child was dead because I thought he just grabbed me and then my baby was on the floor. I, I, I honestly, I, I just didn't even know what happened. So right after that happened, he left our home, which we were renting a home at the time. And my friend and I packed as many bags as we could mm-hmm. that would fit in my car. Now, at the time, I had a Chevy Camaro convertible. It was my fun car, okay, girl, because I was still young at the time. <laughs> And it was a drop top cloth convertible and he slashed all four of my tires. And he actually also slashed a hole in my drop top where my infant seat was. 
So I had to kind of make super quick plans. And with the help of um, my family and my friends, they were able to bring me tires mm-hmm. so that I could change my tires. I actually had a friend who put new put tires on new rims and took my old rims so that I could get away faster. And again, the friend who was with me kind of threw as many bags as we possibly could focusing on the baby stuff yeah. so that I could leave. Um, and then I chose to actually leave back toward to where I kind of lived, which was in the Pittsburgh area. Um, where I grew up, I should say, because even though I had a choice to go back to my mom's house, my mother lived four streets away from the abuser at the time. And I just didn't want to be surrounded by that area at all. I actually didn't like the area when I moved there. I didn't like living there. I was just trying to adapt. It was never uh, where I felt at peace. It was never really where I felt connected. So I knew that that place wasn't for me. Um, I'm so a city girl at heart, even though I like my space, I like to be able to get to places um, really quickly. So I just, I knew I had to leave anyways. Um, so I was homeless for a few months back and forth between friends' houses and um, shelters and family that, um, you know, I was, I was changing positions so that he couldn't buy me because yeah. I was literally at this point afraid that he was either going to kill me um possibly kill my child or hurt somebody that I loved or even their animals um, because my mom had dogs at the time or their property because I just didn't know what was going to happen. Now, again, to point this out to the listeners, not nothing else happened after this point. Um, He kind of just left. uh, Yeah. And I think, um, and just to not to cut you off, but I think you leaving made him you know maybe that was the wake-up call that he needed to just like you said it was your first time really knowing that he had a problem maybe he didn't even know that he had a problem until that incident so it's crazy how things happen at a certain time I mean um so sorry that that happened to you but I'm sure it shaped you in in many ways and I'm so great that I'm so grateful that you know for you that you you left after that you were brave enough to leave after that. Never look back. Thank you. Um, it's weird to say thank you to that because you don't necessarily think of it as such. Yeah. I was looking at this more of like, at least let me get my child to safety. Um, yeah. My thought process was, okay, well, you know, I got a good 19 years in at this point. So if I go, I was cool with it. Um, and I don't mean to sound that nonchalant about it, but like, I literally had came to peace with it, but I needed to give my child a fighting chance at a life. Mm -hmm. Um, So of course, right after that, I had my son tested for dependency because I didn't know how long he had been doing drugs. And um, most of the time that doesn't show up after, you know, a few weeks, even um, a month old, but I still wanted to do it just for my own peace of mind. And thank God he, nothing came up. Um, And, you know, it kind of just, went from there. I finally found a place again with the help of my family and my friends. And I started to work back on regaining myself, so to speak, Yeah, regaining who I was and who I was, what I feel like meant to be. Yes. Almost every state and every country, not all have either a domestic violent violence hotline 
or an anonymous way for you to report your abuse. Um, I can tell you as a hairdresser, we have certain signs and signals um, posted in various areas that mm -hmm. if you are a domestic violence situation and you do a certain thing, we know that that's a signal. And that way we can call someone who can actually come and help. Um, so like Keisha said, you know, it is not easy. It is never going to be easy. And I feel for women who have maybe experienced it longer or even worse than what I did yeah. um, and who either endured it or even men or children, but abuse in any way is not okay. And you may never be ready to tell your story and that's okay. But your story could be the key to saving somebody else's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so um, glad that you can talk about it because I'm sure there was a lot of, a lot of years went by where you weren't comfortable talking about it. I know um, I've never been in a domestic situation like that, but just parts of my life is like I couldn't talk about them because it will make me cry. So the fact that you can say all of that, you know, and not feel a thing, you know, still be heartfelt because you, it's your life, but um, you know, you can say it with a little proudness because you've out, you're out of it now is, is very major. Yeah. And I still catch myself sometimes Keisha. So, <laughs> you know, I still catch myself feeling the waterworks and, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you can hear like now the tremble in my voice um, because it, it hurts me to know that this is going on across our entire world. Yeah. Violent in, in any oh. form. Yeah. And what amazes me is that it starts with education and educating your children. You know, it's one thing to teach our boys and our men that they need to be strong and that they need to be brave. However, mm -hmm. it's another thing to promote and teach them to be violent against other people. And same thing for girls, because I'm not saying girls can't be violent either mm -hmm. um, to boys, but it's so important at a young age that we teach them better ways to dealing with management. And if there is going to be some violence, quote unquote, and I use that as far as like an anger piece, let's teach them how to get their anger out appropriately yeah. with maybe up, you know, a punching bag if necessary, or a workout or um, a screaming um, mm -hmm. exercise. You know, there are so many other things than hitting an actual person that you can do or, you know, victimize a person in any way. Um, yeah. So you're absolutely right when you hit it. It's just not, it's not appropriate in any way. And it's, it's no. not warranted. Not, it, it really isn't. And speaking of violence, um, we are one, in the middle of a pandemic and two, um, a, and I, I hate to say it, but a, a complete racial war right now. Not, and, and it's been made a racial war because of, you know, cops killing black men. Um, and for the listeners listening, um, Sindal is in a biracial marriage. Um, she does have um, a mixed child and you are raising a non-mixed child. So I'm sure, you know, trying to keep that that middle ground of awareness in, in your house is very, very strong and needed at this time. Please tell everyone um, how you're doing that and how are your kids responding to what's going on in today's world? Um. So first things first is I am trying to educate them on what is 
of course happening. So, you know, with everything that just happened recently um, with the Mr. Floyd situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm, again, I'm going to say, you know, my thought process may not be anyone else's. It's completely unacceptable. And as a white woman, which yes, I am white. Um, my husband is black, African-American. My daughter is multicultural, biracial, mm-hmm. or she's African-American and Caucasian mixed. And my son is Caucasian. So I had my son with my former partner. And then my husband and I um, had our, our daughter together. Um, something needs to happen. And I will continue to speak up until those people who are were responsible for that man's death were are held accountable because we as a human race need to continue to speak up about the violence that is happening to our brothers and sisters of our human race. That's the one thing that I, I really want to preach is that we are one human race. It does yeah. not matter what color you are, where you come from, where you live in the world. We all bleed the same color. And if we do not start standing up for one another, and if we do not start educating our kids about what is acceptable and what is not acceptable and to not live in fear, but to step up and to continue to educate each other on how to appropriately maybe respond to this situation yeah. Um, that's the only way we're, that we're going to make change. So we have to continue to be a voice for not only ourselves, but the voices that have been silenced. Um, yeah. It angers me. Um, and I don't even know if anger is the right word. It's yeah, I'm going to say anger because it is 2020. Yeah. It is 2020. And we are in a multi cultural society and we live in america as well so keep in mind that really one one culture was from here and the rest of us came here even if you were born here and your parents were born here somewhere down the line even if it's 17 generations back you came from another country unless you were native american from here from america born here and you can trace your ancestry all the way back to being in here that it's that that we are a mixing pot and it's the one thing i love about it because it's what connects us as a human race you know i'm learning that i had ancestry in me that i didn't even know about yeah which was pretty cool and it allows us to connect on such a deeper level now of course do I know, did I know everything that there was to need to know about all history of every culture? No, because they don't teach it in school. But what I did as a person of interest of in, in, in learning about other cultures is I started to do research at a very young age about different cultures, different heritages, um, different even, um, I don't even want to use the word race, but racially used stereotypes and you know common things that make us similar in ways just so that I could better understand myself okay well why does this happen or where did this come from um and I use that actually to my advantage so my platform is heart health and I focus on mind body and soul so I'll give you an example Mm -hmm. um and I'm going to say a stereotype um 
white people like corn. I'm just going to use that. Okay. Okay. Well, as we know, corn is great. It's delicious. You cook it on the grill. It's a good carbohydrate, but it's insoluble. We actually don't digest it. So it's an empty mm-hmm. food. You literally poop the kernels out. Not to be gross on your podcast, but that's what happens. Yeah. So I educate people. Real life. Like, yes, you can have your corn on your occasions, but just know it's an empty calorie. It's not doing you any good. You know, so where does that, where did that stereotype come from? Where does that education lie? Um, right. Another one is, um, I'm trying to think of like pierogies, you know, dr- pierogies and uh, haluski comes from Germany. So German Americans, that's potatoes and pasta essentially. And mm-hmm. those are two starchy carbs. So how can we make that healthier? Not saying that you can't have it ever, but how can we make that healthier? So it's still kind of traditional in a sense, Yeah. but we can kind of make it, you know, a little bit healthier by maybe making it a sweet potato or a, you know, a multi-grain flour that we're using to make our dough, mm-hmm. or even, you know, doing a sweet potato with a whole grain pasta or something like that. So I try to find innovative ways to keep that tradition of where our food comes from, how we interact in our daily lives to incorporate tips and tricks for people that are trying to become more heart healthy. Because I don't know if you know this, Keisha, but African-Americans and Latina women specifically are at more of a risk for heart disease than almost any other culture or race. And one out of three people that are women of that culture um, are going to be affected by it. And they still really haven't figured out why that is. But a lot of it has to deal with food and food. food. And I was about to ask that. Do you think it has a lot to do with the foods that we eat? Um, and even, even like you said, Latina women and African-American women, we are, you know, going back to traditions. We have our very own traditional foods that we eat on a regular basis. So, so I don't think um, it's always about every, I don't think everything is all about just what we eat, but I think it's also about food insecurities, not being able to get the good um, vegetables and fruit because you can only afford to get this cheap box dinner or this right. macaroni. Um, yep. And we could, we could have a whole podcast on that, but you know, I think that there's a lot of things. Um, I also think, again, it all stems back to education. So yeah. learning how to grow food in your house, if you don't have a garden, um, it's super strong. More alternatives. And I'm kind of glad that you brought that up because I think now in 2020, 2018, 19, 20, I think it's, it's now is when everyone are becoming like more health aware. Yes. And um, you have what it. they eat. And yeah, people mean, are eating more fruits and more vegetables. And, you know, we're buying the starch noodles, plain pasta, but then we're making our own cheeses and we're eating vegan cheese and we're adding our own seasonings to make it like a macaroni and cheese, you know, and I, and I'm so, I am, I'm very happy that you brought that up because a lot of people in, you know, my culture as a black woman and even the Latina culture, um, we, we were brought up on, you know, the box foods and stuff like that. So knowing better so we can do better plays a huge part in, you know, our heart health and health in general. And again, also not placing blame. Um, so mm-hmm. nothing of what it was happening either to your parents or to whom raised you was wrong. I don't like to 
to focus on that. I like to focus on, well, maybe that's how they were taught, or maybe that's what they saw on television, or maybe that's, that's just, again, what, what they could afford. Um, So not placing blame, but also, you know, sharing with, you know, your family and friends that, you know, Hey, did you know, I found this cool way to take, um, you know, whatever your dish is, I'm just going to use that corn mm-hmm. and, and make it a little bit healthier. And hey, try this. Now, of course, I'm not going to lie, there are still some good old uh, greens and, you know, good stuff that you just, you just can't change it. You know, you can try, right. but you just got to eat it and, and, you know, work it off later. Um, so yes. <laughs> of course, but again, making those conscious decisions, maybe not eating that every night, maybe saving that for that special occasion um, is so, so, so important. Yes. I love that. And it's all in, like you said, educating, knowing better so you can do better so you can eat better. Um, I know my mom, um, I don't eat a lot of fried foods and that's something that my mom did with us. Like, I don't remember my mom maybe stopped frying chicken like, and I'm a black girl to everyone listening. Y'all know, y'all know I'm a black girl, but, um, and I love my fatty foods, but I, I don't really eat fried chicken like that unless I'm buying it from like a store. Um, we don't eat a lot of fried foods. Um, and even I eat, I eat a lot different than, you know, my brother and sister and we were all born, you know, born and raised in the same house. And that's just because me knowing, you know, knowing better as I get older. So, I eat a lot of chicken and a lot of fish and we eat a lot of, you know, greens and a lot of vegetables and a Girl, ton of I, listen, you're here. And I, love <laughs> I love me some fried chicken, but I'm, a, I'm going to say this for your listeners, get an air fryer, an air fryer. You know what, uh, I'm Sandal, these, I, <sighs> I am scared of the air fryer, girl. Why? No, okay. I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to come across a, a commercial that's going to say, if you use an air fryer from 2019 to 2021, your brain is lacking some stem cells. I don't know. I, I I'm just super that point. So here's how you're going to do it. You're going to get one that's self-timing. You're going to set the timer. Okay. You're going to walk out the door, maybe 20 feet away, and then you're going to get take it out and you know, you'll be all right. Um, but there's also okay. like other ways of coating and again like you mentioned kind of mixing a little bit more of a healthier uh coating to fry and I know I know it's like well why is she trying to mess with it but you know just on this on the topic of it uh it's out there but I'm not saying I trust me I love fried chicken too um especially right now in the summertime oh girl now you got me hungry um eat it yeah eat it I might eat it and then just know yeah. that maybe the next day, you know, you got to put a little bit more work in the gym or maybe you have to do a, a little extra walk for the day. And I'm not saying, you know, go out there and kill yourself or hurt yourself. I'm saying, you know, learn how to balance that seesaw of good and bad. Yeah. You know, even if you get up to 50 50, you're doing so much mm-hmm. more. You're, you're just getting on so much more. So I, I, love it yeah you know anything anything, one thing at a time one thing at a time yes and I'm so happy you're bringing these things up because it is a very sensitive subject especially um especially with women we don't want to be told what we're eating is wrong and then you also need to work out right after but at some point in time those are our thoughts like we those are conversations that we have with ourselves 
in the mirror, you know, before we shower, after we shower, just walk you past the mirror. It's like, girl, you got to do but something. But not only that, Lisa, but then you thick. know that in when you talk about personal hygiene and communication and education, that exercise is is part should be part of our daily life. I'm not saying you have mm-hmm. to go and get a whole gym workout. I'm saying do five squats before you go to the bathroom. Do a couple extra lunges. If you got kids, you're already running around enough. You don't need to do no more because I'm running around enough for kids too. Right. So, you know, but go for a walk. It doesn't need to be like hardcore exercise, but it we recommend 30 minutes, three days a week for adults and an hour a day for children. An hour a day is not that much. Get get them outside. Go throw a ball. If you can't throw the ball, roll the ball. You know, there's so many ways um, to, again, kind of adapt and make it work for us. And I think that's the key is that you need to, like you said, two brains are better than one. You need to sit down and have that conversation with people. And this is what I actually do. And I'll listen to them. I'll be like, okay, tell me your typical day every day. What do you do in the morning? What do you do in the afternoon? Are you a mom? Are you a teacher? Uh, do you walk a lot? Do you sit a lot? Um, you know, and then what right. do you want out of this? You know, because if you know what they want or if they want to live that healthier life, then you're, you're in the gold. But if they're like, you know, I just want to do a couple things. Cause I like, I like eating and, you know, I'm not a big fan of working out. That's cool too. We'll, we'll work with you. You know, I'll work with you and say, okay, well let's, let's get into this or, you know, let's see where you're at and see if we could just make a couple changes. Yes. I like that. And, um, I was actually watching something the other day. I can't even remember what it was. I think it was a commercial for maybe Nike. I'm not even sure, but, um, and it was the, a guy running. He was an older guy, had a gray beard and all of that. And he was like, if you rest, you rust. And it took me back to my, one of my favorite things is use it or lose it. I'm very big on like, you got to keep moving around. I was literally just doing flips and cartwheels and stuff with my daughter um, the other day at 33. And and a lot of people were looking at me like, girl, you're going to break something. And I'm like, I'm not sitting around to let my bones, you know, stiffen up on me. And I don't want to be that mom. I don't want to be, you know, that person where I'm resting so much that I'm rusting and then I can't use it because I've lost it, you know, um, for not moving like I should be. We have to keep moving. So I'm so happy that you're bringing that up because a lot of people don't understand. We think that we're getting older. No, get back to doing the things you love. If it's basketball, if it's tennis, if it's just walking, running, like you said, squats before you use the bathroom, that is an amazing tip. I could use those squats and that might be what I'd be <laughs> I'll be doing starting uh, tomorrow. I'm I'm telling you, if you, I don't know how many times you go to the bathroom. So that's a little TMI. But even Mm -hmm. if you go to the bathroom twice a day and you do five squats a day, that's 10 squats right there that you didn't do before. Um, You know, and if you want to build up, then maybe the next day you go for 20 and then 30 and then 40 and then 50. I can't all the yeah, add them on when you first wake up and do yep, five and more before stretch. you go to bed. That's 20 and one. You know, day. like you said, um, mobility comes with movement. So as we age, if we're not mobile, mm-hmm. we will be hard. It will be harder on us. It will be, um, we'll have a lower life style and a lower life expectancy yeah. the less we move. Um, so that's so key. And like I said, start somewhere. 
Yep. Start right today. now. A lot of people wait for Monday. At, at 8.49 <laughs> at night, because that's when we're recording yes. this. So start right now. Um, yes. To the podcast. <laughs> do some squats. <laughs> and then comment on her podcast <laughs> that you did it. some squats. Yes. You are so down to earth. Um, where can everyone find you at, at on social media if they wanted to? Please uh, follow, to follow me. You. I am lacking in the followers. I'm not going to lie. I am still getting a hold of this whole Instagram thing, even though I'm technically a millennial. I mm-hmm. feel like I qualify more as a Gen Y kind of girl. Um, so if you know somebody can help me out with my Instagram too, like let me know because I need some help. But they can find me at <laughs> any social media at, at Sandell Taylor. And I'm going to spell my name because it's really weird. It's S-A-N-D-A-H-L, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R. And I know what you're about to ask me, Keisha. So go ahead, ask me about my name. So I completely spelled it wrong on the flyer. As you all can see, if you've seen the flyer, it says Sindel. So that's my model name. So you're fine. So the model name, I go by Sindel. Because nobody can pronounce my name when they see it, how it's actually spelled. I wanted to say Sandal. So, I was like, so you are actually pronouncing pronounce- it the original uh, way it was written. So my name is Scandinavian, okay. um, Norwegian. It comes from originally last name. And it uh, the last name was originally pronounced Sandal. I was named after a Broadway actress mm-hmm. who played in Conan the Barbarian. And her name is Sandal Taylor. I'm sorry, Sandal. Oh, my God. Bergman. I, t- I just said my my own last name. <laughs> you can tell I heard superstar superstar and so she also played in she was also on broadway all that jazz um she's totally beautiful kind of looks like she could be my mom not gonna lie i got a photo with her uh, Mm -hmm. a couple years ago when she came to comic-con totally blew my mind so long story short i got my name from this movie and i did a lot of research it's not in any baby book so thanks mom love you but it's not Yes, and it's, it's actually, actually very unique. Book. I love it. Um, I love it. I feel like I'm going to put it in there one day. So it has no meaning. It's just from a last name. Um, and then, of course, I love my new last name, yeah. which is Taylor, because um, I always say, like, hashtag Taylor time or hashtag Taylor gang. Not as in the rapper, but just because, like, we're a little family. Um, <laughs> you know, so tool time Taylor. Like, I'm such a nerd. Um, so I love it um, that, you know, I'm a Taylor, even though I don't really use my last name, because how many people do you know named Sindel? So. I feel like Cher and Madonna right. and Beyonce a little bit. Okay. And you definitely are superstar status with that. Just your whole life in general. Um, you've been doing really well. So congratulations on, you know, winning the title of Miss Germany. Congratulations on, you know, being Miss PA American Beauty. Um, those are, you know, big yeah. girl things. And especially after 30 or 25, we all really don't think that we can do it. So really quick before we get off, I want you to, you know, do one quick spill on how um, everything that you told me last night, because you definitely did light a fire. We're going to get it, girl. Me and you, <laughs> we, we have an amazing connection. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to get your butt moving. Because you are moving. Yes. You really are. But yes, thank you. But let everyone know that they can do whatever they put their their minds to, even though that's how I feel. Totally, one hundred percent. Don't get it twisted. But um, what can you give to the listeners listening? What can start they take away? now. If there is a dream, start mm-hmm. now. It does not matter your age. Doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your income. You can do this. 
a quote that I live by is be a pineapple. Stand tall, wear your crown because it's always there. Man or woman, you are born a queen. You are born a king. It is there. And be sweet on the inside because sweetness and kindness can go a long way. And I think that's what's missing from the world. Be kind to one another. Learn to love one another and stand mm -hmm. up for one another is my message for today. Yes, I love it. And thank you so much, Sendal. Sendal, Sendal. <laughs> you are a beauty inside and out. And I thank you for joining us tonight. And everyone, be sure to follow Sendal at, yep, at, at Sendal, Sendal Taylor. Taylor. You got it, girl. And thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Um, I can't wait to post this out to my followers, you know, like I said, I'm growing them um, and kind of get moving, girl. Yes, I love it. And we will be in touch. Thank you all for tuning in and be sure to tune in next Thursday for a new episode.